Are you struggling with jealous friends, unexpected temptations, or even big battles? These can be difficult to navigate. But Dr. David Jeremiah, through his study on King David in The Tender Warrior, teaches you what you can do when you face these situations. This month, when you give a gift of $120 or more to Turning Point, we'll send you the complete two-part CD album, study guide set, and the God Shot devotional. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. When King Saul died... David might have celebrated, but instead he respectfully paid tribute to the fallen king, a rarity in the current political climate. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at David's response, offering biblical insights on how believers ought to approach those in power. To introduce the conclusion of his message, a eulogy for an enemy, here's David. And thank you for joining us today on Turning Point. We are studying the life of David. We call this series The Tender Warrior, and I tell you that because that's the title of the study guide. Actually, there are two study guides that cover the life of David from beginning to the end. You can get this study guide and the other one that goes with it, covering the whole life of David from davidjeremiah.org. You can also get the CD packages so you can listen again to the teaching And you can study the life of David um, on into the night as long as you want. Today we're going to um, finish up what we started back on Friday as we talk about the eulogy for an enemy, David's response to the death of Saul. Now, if you've been listening, you know that Saul was David's enemy and came after David to try to take him out. David has him in a place where he could have killed him, and he didn't do it. He honored Saul. He was the Lord's anointed. Finally, Saul dies at his own hand, and David speaks to the issues in a very godly and gracious way. We're going to study that again today in just a moment. But first, we have a special resource for the month of July. It's a book called The God Shot, 100 Snapshots of God's Character in Scripture by Tara Lee Cobble. And Scripture is meant to reveal God to us, but sometimes it's hard for us to see Him. What if all you needed was a new lens? We often look to the Bible for advice on how to live, but when that becomes our focus, it's easy to miss the point of Scripture, which is not trying to help us, but help us to understand who God is and His character. This beautiful book is ours to give you. It's beautifully designed. It's a hardcover gift sort of book with a very special kind of cover, and we want to send it to you during this month for your gift to Turning Point. When you send a gift during the month of July, ask for the book, The God Shot, It'll be on its way to you before you know it. Well, let's get started with um, this next lesson, A Eulogy for a King, Part 2, from 2 Samuel, Chapter 1. Whenever we hear the report of one of God's choice servants who has fallen by the wayside, has been caught up, not perhaps in a military defeat, but in a moral defeat, our response ought to be, even as David's response was of Saul, Sorrow for the person, sorrow for the people, and sorrow for the work of God to which they had committed themselves. Sorrow, not gladness, not a smug complacency, not a pious response like the Pharisee, but sorrow. It is a well-worn and tried adage that the army of God is the only army on the face of the world that shoots its own wounded but it is very appropriately true in many cases. 
what to do when one of God's anointed falls. The Bible teaches us. That is the mourning over Saul's death. Notice, fourthly, the murder of the messenger of death. What happens next seems to be a rather abrupt, knee-jerk response on the part of King David. But in the 13th verse, notice what happens. And David said unto the young man that told him, Whence art thou? And he answered, I am the son of a stranger, an Amalekite. And David said unto him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Now you're saying, did David believe his lie? I don't believe so, and I think we'll find that out in a moment. And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him, and he smote him that he died. And David said unto him, Thy blood be upon thy head, for thy mouth hath testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. David didn't say, You're being killed because you slew the Lord's anointed, but he said, You're being killed because you said you slew the Lord's anointed. Your mouth is the testimony against you. And I thought I would just throw in the background of that so you would understand why that Amalekite was treated so cruelly. If you have a Bible that you can find uh, Deuteronomy very quickly, turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 17. And let me show you something that would escape us in this context if we just don't turn to it and read it. The Lord had a very specific instruction to the people of Israel concerning the Amalekites with good reason and clear insight. And in Deuteronomy 25, verse 17, we read his instruction. God is speaking. Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee when thou wast faint and weary and he feared not God. Therefore, says God, it shall be when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest from all thine enemies round about in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Thou shalt not forget it. God said to the Israelites, this is such a wicked people, such a cruel people, such a people that is so denied my headship and my sovereignty that you as a nation, whenever you come across the Amaleks, you are to blot them out from off the earth. Now David is the king. King Saul is gone. And the first action of his reign is to punish the Amalekite who has lied about the death of Saul and has taken pride in Saul's death and has determined to use it to his own advantage. As the king, David was responsible to carry out God's orders and the first act of business on his agenda was to do what God had told him to do. That's the murder of the messenger. Now, we come to the very end of the chapter and very quickly the memory of Saul and Jonathan. And here is the funeral poem that is recorded for us at the end of the first chapter. It is a very interesting thing to study the history of this little section of God's word. It has been referred to quite often in literature, especially in English literature, as the Song of the Bow. And that is because in the 18th verse, there is a reference to the bow, where we are told in verse 18, also David bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. David lamented with his lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. And so this little poem from verse 19 through verse 27 is sometimes referred to as the song of the bow. 
It is a very beautiful funeral poem. It has been the classic funeral dirge from which most of the classic dirges or eulogies have been written. It is in a classic play called Saul, and it's called the Death Song. It is everywhere apparent, apart from the Word of God, as a model presentation of how you should respond to someone that you honor and revere at the time of their death. Now, I'd like to just walk through this eulogy, and I'm going to do it very quickly. There's about seven or eight stanzas, and show you what David did as he honored the memory of this man who had tormented him most of his adult life. Notice, first of all, the first stanza is the requiem for the death of God's mighty anointed. Verse 19, the beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? The requiem for the death of God's mighty anointed. Notice, secondly, the regret for the apparent victory of God's enemies. Verse 20, tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ascalon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. David's second thought after his concern for the death of Saul was for the reputation of God. It is always true of David. He has a great and lofty appreciation for God's reputation. And you know what he feared? Almost more than he cared about the death of Saul, he feared the fact that the news of Saul's death would be circulated in the cities of Philistia and it would be a cause of rallying for the enemies of God. So we have the requiem for the death of God's mighty anointed and the regret for the apparent victory of God's enemies. Notice, thirdly, we have the repetition of Saul's military victories. Notice in verses 21 and 22 how David remembers the prowess of Saul in his early life. Ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Those are simply words of remembrance and repetition of how God used Saul and Jonathan in their glory days when they were fighting the battles of the Lord. And David looks past all of Saul's iniquity, all of his waywardness, all of his enmity. And he goes back to the early days of Saul's reign. And he says, I want to remind you of what a great warrior he was and how he and Jonathan fought together. And they went out into battle and came back victoriously. That's what Saul remembers. That's what David remembers. Notice, I'll give you these again. The requiem for the death of God's mighty anointed, verse 19. The regret for the apparent victory of God's enemies, verse 20. The repetition of Saul's military victories, verses 21 and 22. Notice number four, the relationship between Saul and Jonathan, verse 23. Now before you read the verse, let me remind you that what is going on here now is a reminder of one of the most famous triangles in all of the history of the Word of God. Here is what is happening. Saul was David's enemy. Jonathan was David's friend. Jonathan was Saul's son. And you can picture the triangle in your mind. Saul and Jonathan. Jonathan and David. David and Saul. Throughout that triangular relationship, as David and his friendship with Jonathan was often interrupted by Saul's tirades against him, 
David was always very, very careful never to allow his love for Jonathan to become a wedge between Jonathan and his father. David was one of those rare people who understood that it was possible for him to have a friend without interrupting the relationship that friend had with another. And now at the close of Jonathan's life and at the close of the life of Saul, David rejoices and remembers the relationship between father and son. Verse 23, Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. And I think that what David thought about as he wrote this funeral dirge is this. There were times in their lives when they were divided, when Jonathan was with me and Saul was after the both of us, There were times when Saul would have killed either one of us given the right opportunity. But here is son and here is father. And when they died, they died together. There's a poignancy and a kind of sweetness in that as David writes about it in his funeral poem. The relationship between Saul and Jonathan. And then notice the fifth thing. The fifth stanza is the remorse of Israel's women. Verse 24 He says, Ye daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with other delights, who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. What is David saying? He is talking to the women who had been singing a different song. Do you remember the other song? Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And he says to those women, Don't sing that song anymore. Sing the song of Saul's greatness. And look at what Saul has given to you. He made the kingdom prosperous and you are dressed in refinement and you're dressed with gold and and with beautiful clothing and you are the ones who have benefited from Saul's reign and rejoice in the good that Saul brought to the kingdom. That's what he's telling the women. And then he gives them, sixthly, the last thing, the remembrance of David's love for Jonathan. We have the requiem for the death of God's mighty anointed, the regret for the apparent victory of God's enemies, the repetition of Saul's military victories, the relationship between Saul and Jonathan, the remorse of Israel's women, and finally, the remembrance of David's love for Jonathan. Verses 25 through 27. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? O Jonathan, thou wast slain in thine high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perished? There is the very, very intimate terminology that David uses to describe his wonderful friendship with Jonathan. And I'm sure you're aware of the fact that there are some who have taken this very passage and tried to use it to demonstrate that David's relationship with Jonathan was an illicit relationship, not a wholesome one. And they have taken the words that David spoke concerning Jonathan's love being sweeter to him than the love of women, and they have debased and degraded the word of God by trying to demonstrate that somehow that proves an alternate lifestyle to the one that God has ordained. And there is not a shred of truth in it at all. All David was saying is that Jonathan was a very special, close, intimate friend. 
Do you know, I see why he mourned his loss. Because men and women, if God has given you the joy and privilege of one friendship like that in your whole life, you are rich and blessed. To lose such a friend, to have someone like that taken from you, would bring to you the sense of loss that would be very much akin to the losing of a spouse if your friendship was close as was David's. And I also have to point out that there is a need for us to affirm from our pulpits today the importance and the propriety of men having close friends like that with other men of women developing close bonds with other women and not allowing the world to cast its shadow of sin over that which God has ordained as wholesome. David loved Jonathan and the loss of Jonathan was a great, great sorrow to his life. Now I have given to you in very outline fashion as quickly as I could, which is very difficult to do and you hate to outline a classic. But I've given to you the points that were contained in the eulogy that David wrote for Saul. I'd like to just point out two things that are not here. There are two things that are missing from the eulogy, and I could have learned well from this eulogy when I made my first mistake. Number one, there is no mention of Saul's faults, not one. You know, David could have written a whole verse on dodging spears. <laughs> But he did not. There is not one evidence. If you read this poem and you did not know the story that we have studied, you would not know anything about Saul except that he was a mighty warrior, that he died with his son, that he won great victories. There is no record of his faults. And obviously that reminds me that love covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> David covered his sins. But I also want to remind you, men and women, that there is no testimony to Saul's godliness and piety, for of all people, David knew he didn't have any. He said what he could honestly say. He left unsaid what we are prone to say. And he honored the memory of a man who was God's anointed. And that leads me to two conclusions that I think will help us put this all into perspective for us. Apart from being better equipped with the knowledge of the history of the Old Testament, which is surely a valid and wonderful goal, what does this passage mean to us? How do I apply this to my own life? And I'd like to suggest two applications by way of commitments that I think will be helpful to us. The first thing that is very evident to me as I read the story of David and Saul is this that I must commit myself to be faithful to the leader God has set over me. Whenever you see David in the opportunity that certainly dogged his steps to do ill to Saul, you will always hear David say the same thing, that he would not stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed. He would not. Was Saul worthy to die? Without question, he had committed the sins of death. Had he misused David? Absolutely. But what did David say? I don't care what the man's done or how he's responded. The one thing I know is this. He is God's anointed, and I will not stretch forth my hand to touch him. 
I will follow the leadership and be faithful to the leader God has set over me. David stayed by Saul in times when 98% of us today would have long walked away. We would have checked him off the list. Nor am I saying that we should be judged unlike any other who are judged. I do everything I can as your pastor to climb down off the pedestal. Nobody that has the right mind as a pastor ever claims to be perfect. And I want to tell you something. My role is to be submissive to God. And whoever your pastor or your leader is, your role is, as long as you can humanly do it, to respect and honor and be faithful to your leader. And you know that's true in other relationships. Young people, the Bible puts you under obedience to your parents. You need to be faithful to your parents. Do your parents always do right? <laughs> no one would ever confess that to be true. But you're to honor your parents. So the first commitment is this. I must commit myself to be faithful to the leaders God has set over me. Doesn't David teach us that? Saul gave him every reason to walk away. But David kept coming back to this truth. That's God's man. I don't understand what's going on in his life, but that's God's man. Secondly, commitment number two, I must commit myself to follow the leading God has set before me. The leaders God has set over me and the leading God has set before me. Do you know one of the interesting things about this final chapter in the life of Saul and the ascendancy of David to the throne is this. David was anointed to be king years before this. And yet, as you study his life, you'll never see David trying to take God's purpose into himself and do it himself. David had many opportunities to hasten God's timing. He could have gotten Saul out of the way and become king earlier. But there's no evidence in David's life that he tried to do God's work for him. You know, one of the tragedies in our generation is we got all kinds of people out there trying to usurp the ministry of the Holy Spirit in their own lives and even worse than that in the lives of others. Always trying to do God's work for somebody else. And God is perfectly able to do his own work. David is the king. That's settled. God said it. There's no question about it. Samuel poured the oil on him and he is to be the king. But God's still in charge of the timing. And as you study David's life, you see him growing in his ability to wait upon the Lord and to learn when God says it's time. Boy, that is hard, isn't it? to wait for God to do something in your life. There's an interesting insight to this in the second chapter as we close our Bibles before we do that. Let's just look at first two verses of 2 Samuel 2. And this is where David is now in his life after this teaching on patience that God has put him through. And it came to pass after this, after what? After Saul's death, after the requiem had been given. Came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? What is he asking? Lord, is it time now? Is this when I become king? And the Lord said, go up. And David said, where should I go? And the Lord said, go unto Hebron. I find that to be very full of insight for my life. You know, sometimes I find as a pastor, as a person, I get impatient with God. I want to hurry him up. I want to tell God what the time schedule should be. My friend, just as surely as God has a plan for my life, he has a time schedule for my life. 
And David teaches me not only that I must be committed to the leadership that he has set over me, but I must commit myself to the leading he has set before me. God has a plan and God has a time. And my only question should be, Lord, is this it? Is this the time? Is this the place? And when he speaks, then I can move. Two good commitments for your life and for mine. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, tomorrow here on Turning Point, we're actually going to see David uh, as king. It's been a long time coming. 15 years, exactly, 15 years from the time he was anointed king by Samuel till he actually becomes king. And in between all of these things we've been talking about, tomorrow from 2 Samuel 2 through 2 Samuel 5, David the king. Hey, friends, we have a two-day event coming up in Charleston, South Carolina, Friday night, October the 6th, and Saturday morning, October the 7th. I'll be presenting messages about the rapture from my new book and teaching series, The Great Disappearance. Coming live from the North Charleston Coliseum in Charleston, South Carolina, Turning Point presents a live arena event surrounding the event in the future that will hit the headlines as no other story ever has, and that's the rapture. Go to davidjeremiah.org to find out more information about tickets, special guests, and all things coming in the fall. And we'll see you next time right here on this good station. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Your notes of encouragement are always a blessing to us. So please write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of The God Shot, a devotional focused on God's character by teacher and podcast host Tara Lee Cobble. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also view over 1,200 of Dr. Jeremiah's sermons on any screen on our Turning Point Plus streaming service for a monthly gift of any amount. Visit turningpointplus.org for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Tender Warrior, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. If you have ever seen a low-flying V formation of Canada geese or sandhill cranes, you have probably heard their incessant honking as they fly. 
Some think that the honking is for the benefit of whichever bird is flying as the leader of the V formation, as if to say, keep going, we're right behind you, you're doing a great job. Well, we can't know, of course, if the leader of the formation interprets the honking that way, but I know this, we humans need that kind of encouragement. Find someone today and give them a human version of a honk, a word of encouragement or praise. And this is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life, discover God's ways to encourage on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Route 66, start your journey home today.